Um, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for worship. We praise you for your love in our lives, God. And I really ask that you would just put power on the words that I'm going to say today, God, that you would speak through me and let this be something that would help us know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're starting a new series today. What is the church? And God has been really working in me about this topic. And to be honest, I've been wanting to teach this for uh, about a year. And it's just, I haven't felt really released to do it yet. Like I needed to, I needed to work on it more. And it's a work in progress for me. So, but God's just been convicting me about um, what, what the purpose of the church is. And so, um, we'll be talking about that hopefully for a month or two. Um, so tonight I want to start by telling you a story. Uh, it's one of, my, one of my most famous moments in my life that my friends love to bring up. Um, when we were young, um, this was I think even before we were married, uh, some of the guys went on a hike in, in Shenandoah together. And uh, we did the waterfall trail. And uh, so we made the mistake of trusting, if, any, if anyone's been around for a long time, we trusted Jason Latchaw, Jonathan's older brother, with the navigation. So we started, we started hiking. We, we had like woken up and cooked all these uh, breakfast materials and made these delicious breakfast sandwiches. Put them, we were so excited to hike for a long time and have these awesome breakfast sandwiches we were going to get to eat along the way. And there's all these waterfalls. And we start going, really. So who knows where they're going? Jason's like, oh, I know. I got this. We're like, all right, let's go. We're having a great time. I remember we ate our breakfast sandwiches thinking that, you know, we would be back at the campsite in a relatively short amount of time so we could find more food there. And, you know, it was like several hours after we ate our sandwiches that we really came to the realization we were totally and completely lost and had really no idea how to fix things. This was before we had any devices of any kind. And so we just kept walking, and you were on that trip, right? Yeah, I thought so. So walking and walking and walking and walking, and I remember, like, for whatever reason, it was like 300 degrees, um, and we were just sweating, and we, um, we ended up finally, finally, finally finding a fire road. That's hard to say. And, uh, and so we got on this fire road, and it's like, and our, for whatever reason, all the rest of the guys were like really raring to go. Like they were walking so fast. Like the later it got, the faster they walked. And I pride myself on being someone who never gives up. And we got to a point in this hike where I was like, I was like, I, I just want to sit down and just take a little bit of a break. And they're like, no, got to keep going. It was so hot and my feet were burning. And, I, and I, I uttered the words that will forever haunt me with my friends. I said, no fine, go on without me. And I meant it. I didn't mean I'm going to die. I just said, if you guys insist on continuing to walk so fast and never taking breaks, go on. When I hike by myself, I hike, I enjoy the scenery, I take breaks, I eat every couple minutes, you know, and uh, these guys were just going. So um, I have never... We were lost and we were worried about the sun. We weren't lost at that point. No, we were on the fire road. I remember the fire road. We were... We were not, when you're on a fire road, you're fine. And I knew that. They don't build fire roads to nowhere. They lead somewhere. So we were good. You. Yeah, well, it would have been a much shorter hike. But Gary, there would be no story then. There'd be no story. Yeah. So um, we know what it's like to be thirsty, to be dying of thirst, to be in need, to be so hot. 
And, you know, you start rationing your water, you know that that's a bad sign, right? So I heard this great story from a friend of mine. This table is really in an awkward place for me um, as far as walking. But we heard this great, I heard this really interesting story, this fact that um, people who die hiking almost always have some water left in their bottle. They're almost always found with some water left in their bottle. And, and uh, my friend was telling me this, and I was like, oh, that is brilliant teaching material right there. I've already used it. This is my third time. I've already used it three times. So, you know, and, and me and it's, it's, his name's Colin, we were talking about how, you know, we don't want to die with water left in our bottle, right? If they had just taken a few more drinks and, and finished it off, they're always thinking, I better save some, and then they die. But if they would have drank it, they probably wouldn't have died. And some of these people are found just like a mile from civilization. Like they were so close. So that's like an analogy for, for life, but that's not what we're going to use it for tonight. I want it to be an analogy for church. And I think that as Christians, oftentimes we're like, but I need to keep this for myself. I need to keep this water, this living water for myself instead of pouring it out because I don't know if I can make it without this, okay? And what I'm going to talk about tonight is finishing with nothing left in our bottle. And Paul, Paul writes a verse that I love. He says, if I, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad. So what he's saying is, even if my life, if all I am, I'm just being totally spent for you, I'm glad. If I'm being poured out. He wasn't a guy who died with water left in his bottle, right? He poured it out over and over and over again. So I want to use an illustration tonight, as you can tell. And uh, this is us. This is God, all right? And so we, whoa, I already missed. We come to church. And we get filled all the way up, right? We're filled up. And we come to church. And then I think a lot of Christianity is then we go home and we make sure that we pray and read our Bible. And then we come to church and we're like, oh, fill me up, Lord. And he's like, there's no more room to fill you up anymore. That's going to be really loud and annoying, isn't it? All right? Now, I'm going to say this. I think that sometimes we come in and we do feel a little bit empty. But it's not because we've poured. It's because we've leaked. All right? And we've been sitting here and the world is just making us leak. Okay? And a little bit at a time, life's hard, stress. Right? And so we're like, oh, I do need to be filled up. Okay? But I don't think that we were created to leak. All right? I think we were created to pour intentionally. So I'm going to fill this up. We're going to talk. So here we are, Christians, and I think being filled is important. I think, um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) we've got you trapped. Um, I don't remember being that loud last time I did this. Do you? It's funny, funny. What the throw, maybe put some paper towels down there. No, it's okay. You guys aren't distracted. Just me. All right. I'm very distracted. Um, okay. So I want to talk about, because I, I think that a lot of times I come to church and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, why am I in church again? Why, why am I listening to the 6,000th teaching of my life? Right? Doesn't James say, don't just listen to the word, but do the word? I think that we're meant to be filled up so that we can pour out into someone else's life. And then when we come back to church or small group or prayer, legitimately we can say, Lord, fill me up. And I believe our life becomes more rich because we're created to be 
poured out and filled up. That's the experience that, right? You were created, this is a, a verse, to do good works, right? You were created to do good works with G, which Jesus prepared in advance for you to do. You weren't created to just, like Christians weren't like, hey, we, we, we got you. Like you're saved. Now stay here. Be safe. The world's a dangerous place. And we're just all, you know, here's another thing we do. Is we get filled up, right? And so we're like, we pray for each other all the time, don't we? And we're like, oh, bless you. And you're like, fill me up, Lord. And it's like, no, 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 bless you. No, bless you. And it's just this water going back and forth by people who are already full. Like, we've been saved. We know Jesus. We know the truth. We've been called by God. And yet we're just like, all we'll ever do. Like, there's people over here who are totally empty. And we're like, no, no. Oh, oh, wait, you look a little bit. Gotcha. Right? That's what we're so worried about. How much of your money, how much of your time, how much of your energy is spent on the body of Christ as opposed to the people who don't know Jesus yet? And then take that and compare it to Jesus. I'm telling you, it's challenging. This is where I've been. What is church for? What is church for? Who is church for? Is church for Christians? Right. Is it just to make Christians bless each other more and more? No. <laughs> Tracy, that was rhetorical. You weren't supposed to say something. I, I, I need to roll my sleeves up. All right, so let's read a couple of verses together. And these verses, like, haunt me. This is Jesus talking in Matthew 25. He said, when the, huh? Oh, when the Son of Man comes in glory and all his angels, we're talking about the end of time, he will sit on his throne, all the nations will be gathered before him, he'll separate people as, one, as a shepherd separates sheep and goats. He'll put sheep on one side and goats on the other, and the king will say to those on the right, come, you are blessed to my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And he'll say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, in the eternal fire for the devil and his angels. Okay, so... You know what side of that coin you want to be on, right? Yeah. yeah. I think you'd want to be in the sheep and not the goats. So what's the distinction that's made? And I, I, I cut it out on purpose, so you might know it. But it isn't, hey, those of you who prayed a lot. It isn't, hey, those of you who went to church five times a week. Those of you who had really long quiet times. I'm being serious. Now, I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. And you could mishear this teaching, and, and that's... That's on you. I'm going to press one pedal really hard tonight. This is not saying church is bad or prayer is bad. But I am calling into question the main mission of Jesus through the church. And this is what he says is the difference. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in or like even bothered to talk to me. I went to, uh, I went to get milk this morning before church. And uh, there's, you know, a man at the counter there at 7 o'clock in the morning. And it's just like the exchange, you know. It's like milk, money, leaving. We're both tired. He hates his job, I can tell, right? And I was like, hey, good morning. How you doing? And he literally did a double take. Like, he was like, oh. Had you brushed your teeth yet? No, yeah, I had. No, actually, I hadn't. Uh, he was like, I'm doing good. How are you doing? And it was like genuine because I actually cared to talk to a stranger. You know, I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. 
right? And they're like, but wait, Jesus, when did we ever, we never saw you. You've never been to prison. And he says, no, no, whenever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Dun, da, da. Can anybody see this? All right. So the first bowl, <laughs> all right, this is how I think, just warning you. This is, I think, part of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take what God's given us and give it to those in need, whether it's finances or time or spiritual truth. And then I can come back to others who know Jesus already, right? Or come back to church and I'm legitimately, I've been poured out. I've intentionally given to those in need. He's saying, this is why you're on earth, right? We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus says he came and became flesh. And there's a translation of that called the message where it says that Jesus put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. He came in and he became part of the community and he made a difference to the people who are living in that community. What difference am I making right now? Seriously. If I moved, would anybody who's not a Christian care? Would anybody who's in need care if I died? Seriously, am I making a difference? Or let's make it bigger. If our church ceased to exist, would anybody who's in need notice? I think there's some. I think that this, um, this is one of the ones that we've been growing in as a church. But for me personally, this doesn't come easily to me. And I want to think about, I think it's so easy to lose sight of the reason we go to church. I mean, I, I'm going to step on maybe some toes here, but like, is the reason I go to church so I can study the Bible more and more and more? Well, maybe, but if studying the Bible doesn't produce this in my life, then I'm not studying the Bible, right? Like we can hide behind that and be like, yes, church is for Christians. We do need to study the Bible. We do need to worship. But I would argue that if this isn't happening, then our faith is dead. So what James says. He says, if your faith does not produce works, it is dead. He said, you believe in Jesus, great. So do the demons. Believing, right, isn't the key. The, the key is, what it, how are we changing? How are we becoming more like Jesus? Jesus, I, I feel 100% convicted, did not die on the cross a horrible death so that we could just be here all the time. You know, there's, there's something, I think, that might break God's heart with what the church looks like. Not all of it. But like, if you're feeling meetinged out by church, something's wrong. I mean, this is, like, we're inconvenienced today, and I know it's inconvenient. I know, like, it's tough to not go to the bathroom for an hour. I know. But seriously, some part of us is complaining about it, right? I know it's tough to, like, the kids have to go down there, and we have to show them a movie instead of, like, a Bible lesson. I know that's tough. Like, middle school has to be in my office, and there's not enough chairs, and it's inconvenient we're going to walk out that door. But there's people here who don't have a house. Like, does that compare? Have you ever not had a house to live in and, like, lived on the street? And I just think that we become, like, the fact that we would wrestle with the, the concept of, should we have church? I mean, it's church. Can we really cancel church to help people? That should be like, what? Jesus, I think, would, like, walk out. All right? This is where God's been convicting me. This is a great quote from a book I've read. We often confuse the heart of compassion that requires a response with the feeling of sympathy that remains idle. Most of us hear about need, and we sympathize. But that's not compassion. It's not justice. It's not mercy. Sympathy remains only sympathy until we do something about it. Then it becomes an act of compassion. 
I once read an anonymous quote that I think captures our situation well. Sometimes, this is the quote, I would like to ask God why he allows poverty and suffering and injustice when he could do something about it. But I'm afraid that he would ask me the same question. This is so convicting to me. It's so convicting to me, and it doesn't come easy to me. Like, you know, to be honest, bringing a meal to Family Promise the first time was really stretching for me because I would much rather, like, drop off food and walk away. You know, like, we did, um, we did Thanksgiving meals for people in need in Oxford last year, and we just, like, handed it off and left. And, like, I walked away from that feeling like, that was good, but I just brought a meal. Like, there was no connection there. And the difference for me when we did a family of promise is we sat down for like two hours and we ate together and we talked. And like, for me, the barriers in my heart began to come down because I, I mean, remember? We, we, it's like, because I think we, don't we, compartmentalize people and make us and them and draw these tight circles around them and like, well, you know, I, we are not like them, they, right? And we're sitting there talking. I'm like, this could be me. And like, we're all just in this together and they're just in a different place right now. And I've been given so much. So my challenge is, is the church on mission for the needy? And secondly, I'm gonna ask if the church is on mission for the hurting. All right, and we have one more after that and then we're gonna go back to worship. So let me tell you another story about Jesus. So Jesus was walking um, and he was headed towards Jericho and uh, Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city and a blind man named Bartimaeus was sitting on the roadside begging. When he heard it was Jesus, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people told him to be quiet and he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So I, I get this picture of this, this happening and, um, you know, Jonathan was taught this many times when we were growing up, and I always loved the way he did it, because he would always scream. He would get up on stage and scream, Son of David! And it would like always shock you, because you weren't really ready for it. And, uh, but I think in that moment, like, have you ever been in a moment when something really socially awkward is happening? And, and I, I don't know about you, but my, my instant reaction is to look down. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, it just want to like get out of there as fast as you can. I feel so bad for the person and I don't know what to do about it. And it's just like awkward and I can't stand that feeling, you know? And I think that's what was happening here is this, here's this blind beggar. I mean, do you think he's respected in that society? You know, are they respected in our society? Right? And so, and he's screaming. Here comes the, you know, the religious group walking by and he's like, Jesus! Can you imagine someone coming into church in the middle of our worship song? You know, a blind man walking into church and screaming. We probably, I mean, I think our initial reaction might not be Jesus's reaction. What would your reaction be? What's your reaction to the person who's slightly off, to the person who doesn't fit in, to the person who isn't dressed the right way, to the person who you walk by who's homeless or, you know, the person who's really hurting? Or maybe, like, even take it to another step. That you talk to people who have some sort of sin or struggle in their life that you, you have a hard time that they struggle with that. Or, you, or, or you know, choices they're making that you, you have a hard time not judging them for. And Jesus does this remarkable thing. I love it. He's, he's, Jesus, you could take a whole teaching out of this sentence. Jesus stopped and he called him. Imagine that. 
He stopped what he was doing. This is something God's been forcing into my life. Like, it doesn't come easy. But like, when I see people hurting, when I see people in need, will I stop what I'm doing? Would I care enough to stop? It's hard to stop. How many are busy, right? Show of hands. It's hard to stop, isn't it? And yet he stopped. Do you think Jesus was busy? (laughs) Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people demanding that he prays for him and talks to him all the time, you know? And he stops and he calls this guy over. He sees him. He sees him. And he's like, I I just, it's a great story. He calls him over. He says, cheer up on your feet. All right. He says, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, I want to see. There's so much to think about there. Like, I love that Jesus just like, he could have just been quick about it, but he has conversation. He cares about him. He asks a really profound question, like, what do you want me to do for you? Which I think says a lot about who Jesus is, right? What do you want me to do for you? And, he, and he's healed. So I've told this story before in this, in this church, but it was year, a couple of years ago. I'm going to tell it again. So too bad if you've heard it before. But um, we, uh, we used to belong to the University of Delaware pool. It's like five, six, seven years ago, I don't know. And there was this family that came and brought a, a severely, um, you know, mentally handicapped kid. And not, when I say kid, he was like a little bit younger than me, right? So he's, um, and they would bring him into the pool and the dad, you know, would hold him kind of like around the chest and just take him through the pool. Every, every day they would come and it was like a little routine that you could tell meant a lot to him. And my, my, my instant and like visceral reaction is to stay away. Don't look, don't, you know, like move away. And, um, you know, this has been a long process for me, but God was, God was convicting me in that time. Like, you know, where would Jesus be in the pool right now? (laughs) Would he, you know, I'm not saying Jesus doesn't care about people who are fine, but like he did say, I didn't come to call the healthy. I came to call the sick. I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call the sinners. I came to seek and save those who are lost. Like he had a focus, you know? I mean, it's like if the 99 sheep are safe, you're not like, well, I better keep an eye on them. You're like, oh man, there's one that's lost, right? So I purposed in my heart to go talk to this, this family and it was so scary, terrifying. I don't feel equipped at all. I don't know what to say. I don't, I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm not say the right thing. And I, I'm just like, over like, hey, and I introduce myself and I don't know if I should try to shake this guy's hand. I don't know if he can shake hands. I don't know if that's going to scare him. I don't know literally anything. And plus it's doubly awkward because we're all like in bathing suits, you know? And I feel awkward talking to anyone I see at the pool, right? So... I shake his hand and, I, and we have a conversation and I bring my kids over and we introduce and like, and then I leave the pool and I'm like, uh, okay, I got, I have to remember their names, right? So I actually put them in my phone because I'm terrible at remembering names. And every day that summer that we went and saw them, I went out of my way to just talk to them, even if it was for a couple minutes. And I just share that because like, who is, you know, the boy in the pool in your life? Who's the person? And see, here's the thing. I was sitting there in that pool full of, what does the Bible tell me? The Bible tells me that I am filled with living waters. That Jesus, if I've received Jesus in my life, I am filled with living waters. And that um, when I speak, words of life come out of me. That I am a, I carry the Holy Spirit with me wherever I go. It's not just in church. And so here's this guy who's hurting. And I, I, I'm sitting like right here in the pool. And I'm like, no, too scary. 
And Jesus is like, I've invested so much in you. And Jesus was kind of like, I was aiming for him and it hit you. Right? I mean, I think when he fills us up, he's like, the natural thing is to pour. Like, and I give. What, you know, he's blessed me with finances and I give. You know, have you ever been kind of in a hurry and someone just opens up to you on the spot about stuff that's going on in their life and you're like, oh. I mean, you don't do that on the outside, but on the inside, to be honest, you're a little bit like, man, I was going to make kickoff. I was going to be home in time, but now you've told me something that it would be really jerky for me to be like, okay, I'll pray for you and leave. Like, I need to sit down and we need to talk, right? Isn't that, isn't that what we need to do for the hurting? Don't we need to have that kind of mindset where Jesus has given us so much and we come to church because I have been pouring out to the hurting so much that I am on empty and I need to give. I need to pour out more and more. Wouldn't you rather come to church like this don't you think it would feel better than to come to church like this? And then you're like, hey, Samuel, can you get me more? And you come to church and you're like, more. We sing these songs. We're like, fill me up, Lord. And he's like, I, I can't. Like, you won't make any room. I mean, I've given you more. And then we're like, just, okay, I'm just going to push it a little bit over the edge, right? We're like, but I can't feel God's presence. Right? I don't get anything out of the Bible when I read it. My prayer life is empty. You know why? Because there's no room for him to do anything else. Because we're, whatever, spiritaholics. We're spirit hoarders. We're, yes, you know that feeling on Thanksgiving when you're like, darn it, I can't eat anymore, right? But we don't know it spiritually. We just you know, I just wonder if we sound like just spoiled brats to God sometimes. Not that he would think that, but we're just like, we're like, I need more. And he's like, really? Like, God, my prayers aren't answered. Well, you know, maybe you should start praying for someone else. That's, that's hard, isn't it? Maybe, you, you know, okay, you get the point. We'll keep going. It's been a really fun year in my life, just so you know. Conviction is good, but it's not fun. Are we on mission? Could you say, yes, I'm on mission for the hurting? Are there hurting people in your school, in your workplace? Do you think there's anybody hurting in your workplace? Yeah. Are there hurting people in your neighborhood? Are there hurting people, you know, in your family? Are we on mission? Are we, are we saying, who's the church for? Why does the church exist? Right, the church exists so that we can, we can touch the needy, so that we can minister to the hurting. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Oh, hey, who spun this around? <laughs> Samuel. Why did I spin it around? All right, how about those who don't know Jesus yet? All right, let's, talk, let's end there, okay? All right, here we go. Let's read one more convicting story. So, Jesus is talking to uh, the tax collectors and sinners. We're all gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law. So let's just put that in a modern context, right? Jesus is talking to people who are outside the church, who don't know God, maybe are antagonistic to the message of the gospel, and a bunch of pastors and Christians come up and they start murmuring, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. We've probably done that, you know? And then he tells these three stories. He tells a story about um, some lost, a lost sheep, and then a lost coin, and then a lost son. And it's kind of reiterating, like, with more and more authority, like, sheep, coin, son. 
And here's what he says in each one. I just pulled out the, the kind of one sentence out of each story. Ready? Here's his kind of culmination. I tell you that in the same way, this is the sheep story, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So argue with me. Go ahead. I'm just wondering if our whole building worshiping God brings him the same joy as one person coming to know Jesus for the first time. And I just think if that is really the value system of the kingdom of heaven, what's the prayer we were taught to pray? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And yet we've created maybe our own kingdom where I'm more worried about the worship song that we're learning than I am about the fact that there's no one in the building who doesn't know Jesus this week or any week. That is wrong. In my heart, what I think I'm hearing from the Lord. There's got to be a place. If people want to know about Jesus, where are they supposed to go? Let's say there's authentic people who are like really want to know about Jesus, but we create church to be this, this like, you know, beautiful place for Christians to be with our own Christian language and our own Christian culture and everything's made for us who have been around for a long time. We get it. We get the songs and we get the weird things we do, like re- drinking the little tiny cups of juice and the bits of cracker. Like, what, what are we doing there? That is not enough food for anyone, Right? Why are we doing that? Does that make any sense? Do we ever explain it? Why do we pour water in a tiny pool? Right? I mean, no. That'd be really funny if we did that every week. Um, Man, it's just convicting. Here's the second story. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. And the third one, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. See, what is Jesus' priority here? And what is my priority? There are people in my community who, if I take responsibility for it, don't know Jesus and it's on me. Because I'm, because I keep coming to church and then I, you know, I, have I overdone this yet? And then I go to small group and I listen to my worship music while I'm driving. Oh man, God's empty. Um, And I just don't understand, like, what Jesus is going to say to me if this is empty when I go to heaven. You know, and he's, I'm, of, of the three, actually, I think this is the most painful. Right? If there are people who I've interacted with, and I've either judged or been too churchy or been too, like, into my own life that I, that I didn't take the time to do this. And see, I think sometimes we do this once and it doesn't go well. And we're like, well, that's it! Never doing that again. Get back over here on the table. It's safe right here and very wet. You know, but what if, what if for the rest of your life you just need to pour out and you never see any sort of result, quote unquote, but you're just, what, you, like, aren't we supposed to live our lives in obedience to Jesus? He doesn't say live your life so you can see results. So what if I'm just supposed to pour it out? And I, okay, I was on the airplane. The, the airplane. I was on an airplane. And, uh, this was like a week and a half ago. And I'll tell you that I am not one of those Christians who's like, every time I get on an airplane, I have a great conversation. And like, I'm trying to get everyone saved around me. No, when I got on the airplane, I put my earbuds in as fast as possible because this is my time. And I literally, I plan for days 
in advance and download movies because I get to watch movies on the airplane that I wouldn't have time to watch. I love movies. And I also plan like an hour and a half of work and I make myself do the work first and reward myself with a movie, okay? And also, there's more to this, but I, I, I make sure I buy a sandwich in the airport. I like to halfway through the flight be able to pull a sandwich out of my backpack. How cool is that? You're like, ha ha, everyone around you jealous, right? So this particular uh, day of flying, everything fell apart, all right? I always also get the aisle seat. I do Southwest, so you can log on and you can guarantee yourself an aisle seat. I had to switch my flight. I ended up on Delta. I had a middle seat for both legs. Uh, I had no sandwich because our first leg was late. So I run to this plane. It's full middle seat, which I was supposed to have an aisle seat, and it must have messed up. No sandwich, only like a half a bottle of water. And I was like, man. So I sit down. And I look back, and there's actually the last aisle where the engines are was empty. So I asked the lady, I was like, can I sit back there? And she said, well, let's wait. Now everyone's heard it. It's going to be this mass stampede, right? So, you know, another guy gets up and walks back there. And I was like, great. And I'm being obedient. I'm waiting. I wait. And then she finally comes back. She's like, you want to sit back there? Yes. So I go back. I get an aisle seat. Other dude gets an aisle seat. And he is a talker. And before I get my earbuds in, he's like, so hey, how you doing? Where are you from? What's your job? Blah, 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 blah. And, I, and I like, halfway through the conversation, I like got my laptop out and put it on the thing. It's like, maybe, like, I don't want to be rude, but I've got 30 minutes left on this movie. I had to watch the rest of it when I got home. That's how. So we get talking, and even I can tell if it's God, right? And so we start talking, and, and he starts asking me deeper and deeper questions, and maybe there is something about airplanes. I don't know. We start talking about faith, and I just, I was like, at this point, all my defenses were down. I was exhausted. I was angry. And so I was like, you know, forget trying to be like politically correct. I was just talked about Jesus like out there with my faith. And, you know, he, he was getting engaged and I was giving him marital advice and like, it was just treating him like he had walked into my office. I was like, hey, you chose to start this conversation with me. So, but I really, I really felt like things were happening and I'm not, probably never going to see this guy again, but I felt like things were happening. I feel like, like he had some roots in Catholicism and was kind of wandering and wandering back and was trying out some other churches. And I pointed him in a direction and we talked about faith and I talked about his marriage and how important faith is to marriage. And like, I think we planted some seeds and I walked away and you know, I felt better than watching a movie. I will, I'll, I'll have to admit it, right? Because there's just times, like when we did Project Timothy recently, we went out and we just went out to a park and we handed out free cotton candy, which is just brilliant, right? Who doesn't want free cotton candy of all ages? Free cotton candy, free snow cones. And uh, one of my teenagers, this is like using your gifts for God. He put a uh, Pokemon, I don't know, place, a stop. And so like people wandered over like, and then we got them, right? And so my job is to just talk to all these people. And I love it. So I walk over and I'm like, hey, how you doing? I'm, you know, I'm Christian. We're doing this because of blah, blah, blah. You know, and we're just out showing people that Jesus loves them. No strings attached, right? Right there. If they, I mean, because I've been, I've been to places where you walk by a Christian and he's like, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, right? Oh, Look, but that's not what we're doing. And then I, you know, asked them about their, how's your life going? Can I pray for you for something? And, I, and it was just like, Phew. and then they would walk away. I'd be like, okay, next one's coming. This is what it was like, really. It's like, okay, okay, next person. And 
you know, no one like whatever got saved or signed on the dotted line or whatever, but I got done and I was exhausted and I also felt amazing. Like this is what I was created to do. This, and then I went to worship that night and I was like, oh, I got it. I need to be filled up, Lord. And he's like, yeah, you do, right? Because you poured out and it clicked for me. I was not trying to impersonate Joey. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> How are you doing? That's what God said to me. Um, so, all right. We're losing it. All right, I want to read you one more really convicting passage from Scripture. Worship team, you can come up. I don't know what we're going to do with this mess while we try to pray for each other. We'll figure it out. All right. I want to read this to you. This is actually in the Bible. I wonder if, if you've read this before, because when I read it, I felt like I had never read it before. So here's what it says. I didn't put it up there. Hear the word of the Lord. This is Isaiah chapter one. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Doesn't seem like something God would say, right? And what he's talking about, you know, in the Old Testament, sacrifices was their form of worship. It's basically saying, your worship, what is it to me? Stop bringing it. That's what he says. Your incense is detestable. All your special days, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. What if Jesus walked in to our church and he said, your worship is detestable to me. All your meetings, they're worthless. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, your conferences, I hate with all my being. That's in the Bible. God is talking. I'm not making this up. All those meetings, they've become a burden to me. And I am weary of bearing them. One more. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. (laughs) It's funny, but it's scary and sad. So why? Do you know who he's talking to here? He is talking about the town of Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know why? This is what he says. Hey, wash, your, wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight and stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the cause of the widow. Notice what's missing from that. There's nothing in there about us. And so I told you I was going to press one pedal really hard tonight. There's more. We can give teachings and should give teachings about how we need to pray for each other. I believe in going to church. The local church is the number one way to change culture and bring people into the kingdom. Believe that with all my heart. We need to worship. God is worthy of our worship. We should be worshiping every day. We should be in the word of God every day. We should be praying without ceasing. I believe all of that. But when that's all we have, we're actually taking the life out of all those experiences because the way they were meant to be, it's like, it's like having electricity wired into your house and never plugging anything in. We're meant to be used. And, and I believe that this is true of God. He's like, all this that you give me is worthless if you're not giving it to others. I don't think God can bear seeing people who are homeless and seeing Christians with money hoarding it. 
I don't think he can bear seeing people whose lives are broken, who are addicted and can't find a way out, and seeing Christians not willing to talk to him because they're different. I don't think he can bear seeing people who honestly would love to know something more about Jesus, but no Christian will cross over and and walk across that bridge. They're always just standing over here saying, when you're like us, you can come. When you've got it figured out, please join us. And I think he's saying, hey, let's... Let's pay attention, you know? Learn to do this. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Find it. It's not going to come easy to you. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the cause of the widow. We can do this. All right, so... I don't, definitely don't want anybody to feel judgment or anything like that for me. But I do want to just like... I think that when you read the words of Jesus and strip them off of all of our, how we've coded them over the years, they're so incredibly challenging. And that's all we did tonight. We just read three stories from Jesus, right? And so God, would you convict us? We're going to spend some time responding to the word now. We've got 15, 20 minutes. So in this response time, you have a couple choices. Um, At your seats, if you want to, I just gave a little reflection on this that you can read and and pray through if you want to. Um, at when you're ready, you can go take communion. We put it, it's over there and it's on the stage over here. Um, you know, anyone who's moving towards God, we encourage you to grab those and we take them in remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Um, if you would like prayer, we're going to have a couple people go to the back and be ready. Um, AJ and Danielle, would you go stand back there and be willing to pray for people? And anyone else who feels called to pray. Um, and if you want prayer for uh, anything that's going on in your life, if you want a, a word from the Lord, if you are hurting, um, if you are sick, we, we want to pray for that. And I also just want to say, um, if you are seeking God and you have never said, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus or kind of crossed over to that and said, yeah, I commit to it. You're kind of moving towards him, but um, you can go back and talk to them or talk to someone near you or talk to me after the service. And, uh, you know, today is the day that you could make that choice to become a follower of Jesus. So let's stand together and we're going to go back into worship.